Our reading this morning is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1, and we're going to read the first 11 verses. You'll find that on page uh, 1092 in the Pew Bibles, if you would like to follow uh, the reading. Uh, The Acts of the Apostles is the second of two books that Luke has written for us. The first is, of course, uh, Luke's Gospel, in which he tells us about everything that Jesus did and said. And in the Acts of the Apostle, Luke continues the story. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, when he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the fathers has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And may God bless this reading to us. Amen. It's a hidden dragon watch. Wow. dragons when I was a boy. Where they went, only a few know. Our story changed the world forever. We did it! The world's first dragon Viking utopia. Your utopia, maybe. Mine's less crowded and more sanitary. Hey, bud, wait up! Oh my god, he's not the only one. She's a light fury. Oh, sorry. Did she just disappear? Wow. It's a hidden dragon world. Toothless, go introduce yourself. Found my heart, broke it, made friends and lost Toothless has a girlfriend. <laughs> I've hunted every night, Fury, except yours. Hand him over. I will never give him up. Then 
I will destroy everything you love. We are no longer safe here. We all have to disappear completely off the map. We have to fight for their freedom. Come on, buddy. You're nothing without your dragon. Attack! Show them what you got, bud. Save him. It's you and me, bud. Always. Awesome. Hands up. Who's excited for that film? Come on, I want to see some hands. That looks amazing. That is How to Train a Dragon number three, the sequel to end all sequels. The, the, the story's finally going to be complete. I'm so excited. But also a, a, a little nervous because we all know a bad sequel can ruin things like Home Alone 4, for example. Um, a bad sequel can ruin a whole movie franchise, can't it? But... Some of you may not be as excited, uh, and if you see the film, you may not get all the little nuances and references because there'll be certain gems in there, little nuggets, which only true Dragon fans who've seen the first two films will, will notice and understand and appreciate, like me. Um, and, and that's true in all sequels, isn't it? That, that's true in every single sequel. There's little nuggets that are transferred from book to book to book and film to film to film, just like we've got in front of us. Because Acts, as David was saying, is a sequel. This here is a Bible sequel, part two of an epic the Jesus epic, part two of Jesus' story. And it's written by a doctor, a historian man called Luke, and there are certain gems in there which we'll notice if we've read Luke. Like, like for example, um, Luke ends Luke and begins Acts in the same way. The same 40 days are repeated not once but twice at the end of Luke and beginning of Acts. The same 40 days appear. And that's just what we've read. That's exactly what we've read this morning, which makes these 40 days so important for us that Luke told it twice. See, Luke 1 verse 1, have a little look with me. He starts by saying, in my, or Acts 1 verse 1, sorry, not Luke 1, Acts 1, page 1092. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, um, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. See, and that, that, that phrase sums up what Luke was about. The first volume, it was all about Jesus. All about his mission, what he began to do and to teach. All about his mission to die on a cross. See, Luke sums it up in Luke 24. He says, the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. So Jesus' mission was to, was to die on a cross and rise again so that he could rescue people from forever death. But there's a key word in Acts chapter 1, which tells us that Jesus' mission is not over. Did you spot it? Acts 1 verse 1, did you see the key phrase? That Jesus began to do. That he began to do and teach. See, Jesus started the mission. Jesus started it. But there's more to come. It's not over yet. See, um, Acts 1 is kind of like a relay race. Um, and in a relay race, you get the baton. And you run as fast as you can, busting a gut. Do, 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 do. Chariots of fire going. You pass to the next person who takes it and runs as fast as they can, busting a gut. Do, 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 do. And, and on and on it goes. And see, that's what's going on in, in Acts chapter 1. It's like a relay race. 
And Jesus is passing the baton on. And he's passing it on to the disciples. So Jesus started it. And we, after the disciples, well, we continue it. Because Acts 1, well, uh, Jesus is back from the dead. He's died. He's risen again. And he spends 40 days chatting to his disciples, eating with them, having a great time. And at his last ever meal, he says the words in verse 4. His last ever meal on this earth, he says, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, he'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And like the disciples, they jump all over that. They're like, whoa, look at verse 6. They say, Lord, are you at this time going to gather the kingdom to Israel? Restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this the time? They're like, Jesus, you're back from the dead. Is this the time you're going to come and wipe out the Romans, obliterate them, and make Israel great again? Is it time? And you can imagine Jesus is going, um, as John Calvin said, look, there are as many quest- uh, errors in this question as there are words. I love that. They, they get it all wrong because the disciples, they're thinking small. They're thinking about Israel. They're thinking soon it's going to happen now. They're thinking with soldiers that it's about conquest. And so Jesus patiently answers them in verses 7 and 8. And he basically he, he says, look, God's kingdom is global. God's kingdom, like, God's kingdom grows and God's kingdom is glorious. See, they were thinking small, soon, and with soldiers. Jesus says it's global, it grows, and is glorious. Have a little look at Acts 1 verse 8. His last ever words on this earth before going to heaven. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's kind of like Jesus is saying to disciples, Guys, stop thinking so small. Like, God's mission is, is so much bigger. Get your eyes off your own little backyard. Like, like start thinking big. Like, 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 I started the mission. I died on the cross. I rose again. Now go and tell everyone about it. Tell everyone that rescue from death is here. And his name is Jesus. He's like, my kingdom is global. It grows and is glorious. See, Jesus started it, and we continue it. And yet, often, we're like the disciples, aren't we? Have you noticed this? We often think so small and get so bogged down by how God is or isn't moving in our areas of ministry or like our church. We pray just for our family or stuff we're involved in. Like, God's mission is bigger than BH. God's mission is bigger than Hove. God's mission is bigger than England. God's mission is global. It grows gradually and is glorious. One by witnesses, not warfare. And so I think we need to start going big in our thinking and our prayers. Like, like, like start thinking bigger than just ourselves and our small little groups around us. One way to do that is to use this thing here. It's a yellow sheet of paper called the prayer diary. We get one every month and it helps us pray outside of ourselves, pray for mission partners and other people in the church family and wider. Use it, pray for it, go big in our thinking, go big in our prayers. Because God's mission is global. And, and see, these words in Acts 1 verse 8 are like Jesus passing the baton on. And so we're going to do that this, this morning with, with, with our chairs and the church here. I've got two batons, so exciting. Um, I'm going to pass it to people in the front rows. They're going to pass it on with a smile. He's going to pass it on with a smile. 
pass it on with another smile. Until everyone's touched the button. Um, I might kind of speaking while it's going around. So Mikhail, there you go. Lizzie, there you go. And you pass it on to James. Lizzie, pass it on to Phil, to Chris. It's lovely. And on and on it goes. Till everyone's touched the button. So I was going to do some movement. Yeah, go on. Good work, Chris. That's it. Active involvement. That's what we like. Yeah. Wonderful. It's going down. Brilliant. Yes. It's working better than I could ever have imagined. <laughs> and the smiles are beautiful. Thanks for smiling. Because that's what Jesus is doing. Jesus, with Acts 1 verse 8, is passing the baton on. Like, like, like these last words of Jesus to the disciples is their mission. He says, look, the mission's in your hands now. And Acts 1 verse 8 kind of acts like a contents page for the whole book of Acts. Um, it, it, Jesus talks about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And that's how the gospel grows in Acts. The gospel starts in Jerusalem, and it grows to, to, to Judea and Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. And it gets bigger and bigger, and it's really exciting. But like the mission's not over. Because all throughout Acts, there are little markers of how big God's kingdom gets. Have a little look at verse 15 of Acts 1. Acts 1 verse 15, the kingdom starts with 120 believers. In Acts 2 verse 41, that number grows to 3,000 believers. And in Acts 4 verse 4, the number grows again to 5,000 believers. And then today, well there's over 2.2 billion roughly Christians alive today. Whoa! But, 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 the mission's not over. Because there are still people who haven't heard about Jesus. The mission isn't over. And so just like the batons gone around the whole church, well, the batons passed down from Jesus to his disciples through generations, through history, until it gets into our hands. And this mission, this telling everyone about Jesus has come into our hands. See, Acts 1 verse 8 is our mission. His last words must become our first concern because Jesus started it and we continue it. And so the baton's in our hands now, and so what are we going to do with it? Well, there's a few things we could do. Um, first off, uh, well, we could get involved in ministries here at BH, could get involved in the work of the church, that's one way. Or, or um, Christmas, it's a great chance, as Phil said, to talk about Jesus. So uh, are there friends that you could invite to, to youth events going on, or, or to the carol services? We've heard about both of them tonight, oh, this morning. Invite them to those things. Or... At that Christmas meal, could you talk about Jesus? Because um, Kevin DeYoung, he said this. He said, that, he said, look, when the pastor speaks of Christ, people are not surprised. But when anyone else does it, people are amazed. So who could you amaze with Jesus this week? The baton's in our hands. Who can we talk about Jesus with? Um, that's one side of it. And the other side of it is thinking global, thinking big. Could we start praying wider and bigger? So if you all turn around to the back, my left, your right, there's a blue board that says World Mission on it. Like, on your way out, could you grab a prayer letter from there and commit to pray for those people, to, to, to support those people? Could you go to the, the mission meeting on the 13th of December on Thursday to talk about global mission? Could you get involved? Or Lizzie and I, we have these friends here. This is Maxime and Demelza. They're in Bordeaux, um, and we visit them every year. We pray for them. They're planting churches in Bordeaux. We support them. We send them little packages and things. Could you do that? Could you adopt a mission partner? How can you get involved in God's global mission? Because he started it. We continue it. And we'll find out some more in a bit.
Wonderful. So Jesus started it, we continue it, and if you've got one of these little scroll things, you can open that now. That's your mission, our mission from Jesus. Acts 1 verse 8 is on that scroll for you. What a treat. Um, I thought we'd be honest this morning, so hands up, who's written a Christmas list already? Hands up, be honest, there we go, lovely. Now I've noticed a trend, that the older I get, the more practical the gifts on that list that I write become. So, so, so instead of asking for like action men with like riding bikes and firing shuriken ninja things, like instead of now I'm writing, I'm asking for notebooks or knife sharpeners or even a PowerPoint clicker like this one. I can't wait. (laughs) And again, let's be honest, hands up. Who's put socks on your Christmas list? There we go. Lovely. Like, young people, it's going to happen to you. There'll be a shift when you move uh, towards tea towels and socks. Just wait, it's going to happen. Um, but the gifts, uh, but, like, did you notice the gift that God gives in Acts 1? A, a gift that, that is a unique blend of, of practicality, yet extreme excitement. It's mentioned there, in, 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 I mentioned loads of times, I mentioned in verse 2, in verse 4, and in verse 8. The gift that God gives, verse 5, oh, verse 4, sorry, Jesus, um, Jesus Verse, verse 4, Jesus mentions it. He says, look, wait for the gift my father promised. Then verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit, this is the gift that God gives. And it's the gift that helps other disciples and helps us witness. So actually, we need to rethink our two statements. Because yes, Jesus started it, but we, we don't continue it. No, no. He continues it. Jesus started it. He continues it through his Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, the gift that he gives us. So if you've got a pen, why not scribble it out in your little books or, or your back of your service sheet, that, 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 that he continues it. Because the Holy Spirit is the gift God gives us to give us power, to enable us to witness and so much more too. And like, we do need help with this mission. <laughs> Like, it's a big mission, isn't it? Like, telling the world about Jesus, that, that, that's a big mission. We need help. Because if you're anything like me, um, a few weeks ago, I was going out with, with, with some friends from my old workplace, and I, I was a bit nervous beforehand, like, thinking, pacing around, going, I need to talk about Jesus to these guys, but I'm a bit embarrassed. I don't know what to say. I feel underprepared. Ah! Or, or like, every time I stand up here to preach, or I do a talk at Rooted or KO, I say to Lizzie, Lizzie, this is garbage. Like, what I've written is rubbish. I can't do this. And she's very gracious and patient. And she says, yes, you can. Blah, blah. But, <laughs> um, yeah, amazing. But, but, uh, and then I read Acts. And I see some big names, some mighty names. Like Peter, John, James, apostles who seem amazing and brilliant. I'm like, whoa. These guys are incredible. I can't do what they do. Oh. Um, leaves me feeling a bit discouraged. These big names, James, John, Peter, well, they were just like us. Because Acts 4, verse 13, these guys are described as unschooled, ordinary men. In other words, people just like us. People who did extraordinary things. Not because they were extraordinary, but because of the gift that God gave them. The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that empowers us today. That's pretty cool, right? And so if you feel alone or weak or powerless or inadequate in, in, in ministry or in telling your friends about Jesus, well, we should feel like that because we can't do it alone. <laughs> but neither could those disciples and those apostles. 
We can't do it alone. They can't do it alone. But God can. That's why he gives us his spirit. Jesus started it and he continues it. And so if you are feeling scared or nervous, well, still go. Because remember the gift that God's given you, the Holy Spirit. So when you're sitting there in maths and Fred's sitting next to you, tell him about Jesus, invite him to the services. Don't be ashamed. Don't be scared because the gift that God gives us. Or Brenda down the road, don't be ashamed to talk to her about Christmas services. Invite her because you're not alone. Don't diminish the amazing gift that God has given us. Jesus started it and he continues it by his Holy Spirit. Now, um, this is what Tim Keller said about that. He said, look, Christians should never look at church history as if it contains some great race of heroes that has vanished irretrievably. Their God is our God. Nor should we look at earlier times of Christian ministry in our lives and think we'll never be capable of that again. He says, you weren't capable of it the first time. It was God. And he is still here. Jesus started it and he continues it. Um, and one day he's going to end it. He will end it one day. Now, I've told you this before, but I hate cycling, like, with a passion. I hate cycling. Uh, and um, a month ago, Dave and I went to San Francisco, um, uh, uh, and we spent a day cycling. My first time on a bike in eight years, right? And we cycled the whole day, and, and it got to, like, late afternoon, and we decided to, to go to a little island called Angel Island. Um, and it had a 5.9-mile cycle route around the outside. Right, and Dave and I, our friend, we arrived to this island on the second to last ferry, with the last ferry coming in 48 minutes. Right, so we had 48 minutes to cycle 5.9 miles, and I hate cycling. And by this point, I was in pain. If you've been cycling, you know the sort of pain I mean. Like, like I was in pain, and 48 minutes, 5.9 miles. I do not want to spend my night on an island in the middle of San Francisco Bay. Thank you very much. Like, I want to get off that island. So like the, the, the urgency, the time pressure caused us to cycle like frenzy. Like, like, like pacing it up and down these ridiculous like cliff hill things. Like, like, ah, cycling because, because it was urgent. There was a time pressure. Um, we did make it. Uh, with time to spare, I think I've just about recovered from the pain of cycling, but um, like there was an urgency and a time pressure, and that's just like the mission that God gives us. There is a great urgency. Because Jesus started it, he continues it, and he will end it. Because after Jesus says those last words of Acts 1, verse 8, he then leaves. He goes to heaven. The Bible says he was hidden by clouds. And as he goes to heaven, that's what happens in verse 10. Have a little look with me. The disciples were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly, two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And the disciples, well, they're standing there staring into the sky. That's quite a natural response for your friends going to heaven. That's like, whoa. But, but, but the angels are like, disciples, what are you doing? Like, Jesus gave you a mission. Go and do it. Don't just stand there. There's a time pressure. Jesus is coming back. You've been given the baton. Go and do something with it. Because Jesus coming back is like a countdown timer. When he comes back, that's it game over the mission ends there's no evangelism in heaven 
So we should be urgent in this Acts 1 verse 8 mission. And yet, if you're like me, we're lazy and comfortable. (laughs) We get distracted by the concerns and worries of this life, don't we? I mean, if those angels came to us today, would they say, men and women of hope, why do you stand there looking at your screens, looking at your bank balance, looking at your job promotion path, looking at your house kitchen extension? Looking at TVs. He's coming back. Get on with it. See, I think we need to get our priorities right. Um, These last words of Jesus, Acts 1 verse 8, must become our first concern. Telling the world about Jesus. Because so much of what we worry about or focus on um, will not last when Jesus comes back. Our jobs. Our money. Our video games. Our exams, they won't matter. But people will. These last words of Jesus must become our first concern. He is coming back. And see, that should make us urgent and motivate us. And so uh, this week, why not take Acts 1 verse 8, chew on that, like think on it, um, until it becomes like ingrained in your skull so that you can like recite it in your sleep. Let that motivate what you do. And why not pray too? Because look at verse 14. The disciples, they hear this and then verse 14, they all join together constantly in prayer. They go and pray. They go and pray because of how urgent this is. And that's how important prayer is. So, so why not pray? Pray for people this Christmas. Pray for them. Pray, pray, um, I pray that you'd have this urgency in your heart. Pray that you'd pray in light of Jesus coming back. And to do that, why not join us as a church? We're meeting all through Advent, as Phil said, in the camera room, 7 till 8, Monday to Saturday, 5 till 6 on Sundays, to pray. Come and join us to pray. This is urgent. We cannot just do nothing. He's coming back. And so this Christmas, don't be distracted by Christmas. Pray through it and focus through it. He's coming back. And see, when he comes back, what's going to happen? Well, Those who know and trust and love Jesus, we are going to go with him to live forever in heaven because of what he's done on the cross, defeating forever death. But for those who don't know Jesus, forever death awaits. And so if you're not trusting Jesus this morning, can I just urge you to to not wait around, to chat to Phil, to myself, to someone who's a friend at this church, like chat to us. This is more urgent than missing a ferry to Angel Island. This is forever life and forever death. Jesus started it. He continues it and he will end it. Let's pray. Father, thank you that Jesus' death on the cross has brought us rescue and life forever in heaven if we're trusting Jesus. Lord, please we remember that he is coming back. And would that change how we act and how we live on this earth? Amen.